Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Wijha Initiative podcast. These podcast episodes are recordings of our past events that we hold in person on a weekly basis. We hope that by listening to the podcast, you'll be inspired to join us at an event. To keep up with our work, please follow us on Instagram. اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا رب العالمين أما بعد So we're continuing our study of the life of the Prophet Moses, Musa alayhi salam and uh, last time we had covered the incident we've been reading kind of verse by verse through Surah Al-Qasas and we had reached the point where Musa السلام, had just fled uh, from Egypt because now Fir'aun, Pharaoh, and his army were searching for Musa. السلام. And so a man had come to him and told him, Hey, people are after you. You need to run away so that they don't catch you and punish you. And so he fled. And as he was flee- fleeing, he made dua to Allah, Oh my Lord, save me from this oppressive people. Then Allah Ta'ala speaks about what happened when he reached a place known as Madian. As he turned his attention towards Madian, he makes a dua to Allah. Now think about this for a second. Even before we uh, discuss his travel to Madian, when, when you're homeless, where do you go? Where would you go? The Prophet Musa السلام, all sources of comfort and um, support are against him now. The very palace he grew up in no longer wants him. In fact, they're trying to catch him and kill him. He can't stay with his family because everyone knows that's his, fam- that's his family. That's going to be the first place they're going to search. Where do you go? It's kind of hard coming up with a plan. I mean... Someone nowadays might look for some type of welfare support system, you know, government program or something. I mean, in Musa alayhi time, where would, you, where would he go? He flees literally into the unknown. This literally, going into a desert, no idea where he's going he's gonna to end up. But as he's doing it, he says, he makes a dua. Some have translated this as a dua and some have translated this as just an expression. وَلَمَّا تَوَجَّهَ تِلْقَاءَ مَدْيًا قَالَ عَسَى رَبِّي أَنْ يَهْدِيَنِي سَوَاءَ السَّبِيلِ He says, perhaps my Lord will guide me to the straight path. Some have translated as, O oh Allah, guide me to the straight path. One translation Mustafa Khattab gives is, I trust my Lord will guide me to the right path. Again, you require trust when? You don't have a clear-cut answer. And so now he's literally venturing out into the unknown. What can happen when you're out in a desert? A lot of things. You can end up dying of thirst, of starvation, of the heat. Many things. He doesn't know where he's going to end up. Ultimately, he ends up in a place known as Median. And he ends up by bodies of water, like a well. That's a huge blessing from Allah that Allah guided him to a body of water where he could drink water. <coughs> Allah says. And when he came to the, the watering, 
you could say, pond of Median. He came and he sees a group of people that are there. And they're all kind of crowded around the water. They're feeding their animals. Now, when he gets there and he sees this, he also notices what? He sees two women standing on the side. And they're actually, they have their animals too, but they're not actually allowing their animals to go and drink the water. Tadudan. This is so interesting. What do you do in that situation? He could have even totally missed the women. Isn't that possible? You come to a crowd and there's a group of people, like a large group. Naturally, your, your first glance will be upon the large group of people. That will catch your attention first. And you might see like two people in the distance and you'd be like, what? Whatever. Kind of ignore them. And just focus on this large group of people and just focus on the water. <coughs> but subhanAllah, this is the Prophet of God, Musa alayhi salam. He was not a man to overlook people. And it's a huge lesson here. In our desperation for things, sometimes we overlook people. In our hurry to do something, we can overlook someone. Can you, do you guys remember growing up where someone would come in the room and greet the adults and just totally ignore you as a young child? They're kind of going around the room meeting everybody and then they come to you and they kind of just kind of gloss over like you're not even there and then move to the next person and you're kind of like, hey... And that's not, that's not what a believer does. The Prophet ﷺ was someone who would even give children time. He would even give children time. This is a profound teaching. Like, I don't know if you've seen societies and, and cultures where it's not normal for adults to even acknowledge the children in public. Right? I've seen this. I've seen this where adults will just talk to each other. If there's a child walking by, the child is just kind of there to serve if you need them. Hey boy, go, go bring that. In the kuli. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Go, go get some water. Go get that. To actually like take out time and talk to the boy. Hey, what's going on with you? Hey, how are you doing? That's, that was, that's not a thing in some cultures. I've seen it with my own eyes. Not a thing. The Prophet ﷺ would notice even when a child was sad. And so the brother of Anas bin Malik radiallahu anhu, his bird died. And when he came to see him, he says to him, Ya Aba Umair, ma nughayr. Oh Abu Umair, what's happened to your bird? Like what's going on? What happened? He's passed away. How did he pass away? Imagine that. You know how busy you can be and just kind of be like, just ignore it. Because you don't have time for that. You're so busy with other things, bigger things, greater things. The Prophet of God والسلام, was someone who paid attention to people and how they were feeling. A man comes into the gathering of the Prophet وسلم, and he has some marks of, uh, you could say, almost like a dye on his clothes. And the Prophet وسلم, looks at him and says, hey, did you get married? And the man says, yeah. Um, and then I don't remember the rest of the narration, but I remember reading this part and... So I don't want to misquote that in the hadith. But this part where he notices the man has some mark of marriage on him. And we could overlook that, right? Someone could walk in, just newly married, never told anybody for whatever reason, right? <coughs> Ring on his finger and we totally miss it. 
And that's not, that's not how the Prophet ﷺ was. He was someone who would notice when people were missing. Hey, where have you been? Prophetic. Where have you been? We missed you. You know what I'm saying? And so the Prophet Musa ﷺ here, he doesn't ignore these two women standing on the side. Clearly, clearly they're in need. They've brought their animals. They obviously want their animals to drink the water, but they're not doing so. An immediate question would be, why not? Who's going to go ask them? No one seems to be asking them. Right? So the Prophet Musa salam, subhanAllah, he's now fleeing. He's fleeing from an enemy. He's in need. He's, a, he's clearly a man in need. He needs water. He needs shelter. He needs safety. And yet he notices others who are in need. That's prophetic. There's a huge lesson for us here. Number one, I want to take a step back and I, and I missed a point here. When the Prophet Musa sets out towards Median, like I mentioned, he had no idea what to expect. It was literally the unknown. One of the lessons we learn here is, guys, in life sometimes, that's what you're going to have to do. There will be cases in your life where you will not have a guarantee. And no one can give you a guarantee. Do you understand that? And you have to take a step. And the world could try to promise you this or that, but the world doesn't know what the future holds. And here the Prophet Musa salam, takes that step, and what gives him some comfort? I trust that my Lord will show me the right path. I'm taking this for the sake of Allah. I trust that He will show me the right path. That's what you have to do sometimes, guys. I have people come to me sometimes asking questions about stuff they're dealing with in life, and it's like they want me to give them like a definitive answer about the future. Just do this and you are guaranteed success. I can't say that. And nobody can. Sometimes, you're going to have to do the best you can. With the information you have, estimate what would be the best course of action, trust in your Lord, and move forward. And that's what he does. So then he ends up here, he's in need, and subhanAllah, he takes out time to notice those who are in need as well. His own need did not distract him from the need of others. That's prophetic. That's prophetic. That's a sign of a leader. That a person would be in need and yet would be taking care of the needs of others. Now there's, there's a profound, um, pro profound lesson here. One of the quickest ways to receive Allah's help is to be in the service and help of others. Does that make sense? And we learned this from the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, where he mentions in one narration that مَن نَفَّسَ عَن مُؤْمِنٍ قُرْبَةً مِّن قُرَبِ الدُّنْيَا نَفَّسَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قُرْبَةً مِّن قُرَبِ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ That whoever relieves the hardship of a believer in this world, Allah will relieve the hardship of that person in the hereafter. Right? وَمَنْ يَسَّرَ عَلَى مُعْسِرٍ يَسَّرَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ And the hadith goes on and he says, وَاللَّهُ فِي عَوْنِ الْعَبْدِ مَا كَانَ الْعَبْدُ فِي عَوْنِ أَخِيهِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to help a person so long as they continue to help others. Which is interesting, right? Think about that hadith. Allah will help a person so long as they're helping someone else. So when Allah helps them, it means they need help. And yet they're continuing to help other people. You see that? They're not helping other people because they're, they're doing perfectly well. 
They're helping others despite their own need for help. When Allah sees them in need of help and sees them helping others, Allah more readily helps them. Wallahu fi al abd ma kan al abdu fi akhi. One of the quickest ways to receive Allah's help is to be in the service and help of others. The idea of treat others how you want Allah to treat you. I've talked about this before. You know, often we say treat others how you want to be treated. Treat others how you want to be treated. I mean, that's a very reciprocal level. The level of ihsan and higher level is treat others how you want Allah to treat you. Because if they're not treating me well, but I want Allah to treat me well, I'm going to treat them well. And so what does he do here? The Prophet Musa salam, he notices these women in need of help and he comes to their aid. Notice another thing. One other way we could interpret his behavior here is what? What, he, what had he just done in Egypt that he was now fleeing? Can anyone remind me, guys? He accidentally killed someone. He made a mistake. And we all make mistakes in life. The first opportunity he gets to do good, to make up for that mistake he made, you know what you're to make amends, to rectify the wrong, at least in, 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 in his book of deeds, he takes that opportunity. He hastens to do good after making a mistake. Given the opportunity, he goes and immediately helps those women. And that's really important for us guys. You know, sometimes you make a mistake and you feel guilty about it. Okay, we make tawbah, of course. We ask Allah for forgiveness. If we wrong someone, we ask them for forgiveness. But on top of that, what can you do? You can hasten to go and do some good. That could be giving charity. That could be helping out someone. That could be praying some uh, salat. That could be reciting Qur'an, making dua. Any good. The idea is that the good will wipe out the effects of the mistake that you made. And so the Prophet Musa just made a mistake. Comes here, opportunity to do good. He hastens towards it. He comes to them and he says, What's going on with you guys? They said, we don't, we're not going to feed our animals until all of these shepherds, until they're done. And they said, the reason why we have to do it and our father's not doing it is our father's an old man. So what did Musa do? Let's pause here. What could he have done? He could have hustled. Kuntia? I mean, he's a, he's a man in need, right? He was a man in need. He didn't have anything, any possessions with him. He could have hustled. He could have said, look, y'all have a lot of sheep over here. How about you give me one of these sheep and I will feed the rest of, or I'll give water to the rest of your sheep. So y'all can go home with your animals well, you know, fed and I'll have a payment in the form of a sheep. He could have done that. No? You see what I'm saying? And even someone could argue that that's justified. I mean, he, he really needed. He was a man in need. And yet, what does he do? No. He asks for nothing in return. Because subhanAllah, that's, that's trusting in God. That's trusting in God that what? This is an opportunity to serve someone. Let me serve them. And I trust that Allah will give me. Allah will provide for me. And we'll see the dua he makes for going forward. 
reflecting that yes, he indeed believes that Allah has been helping him. Okay, so what does he do? He takes the animals and he goes and he gives water to them. فَسَقَالَهُمَا Brings them back, gives them to the women, and then he just walks off. ثُمَّ تَوَلَّى إِلَى الظِّلْ He doesn't even wait for a thank you. Doesn't wait for payment, nothing. He finds a, a tree that has shade and he lies down. And then he makes this dua. And it's a very famous dua he makes here. Many of you may have heard this dua. رَبِّ إِنِّي لِمَا أَنزَلْتَ إِلَيَّ مِنْ خَيْرٍ فَقِيرٍ On what occasion did you all recite this dua? Come on now, expose yourselves. What is it? Looking for a job. Looking for a job, okay. Exams, okay. Everyone's giving the modest ones. What's the other one, yo? Marriage. Marriage, there you go. Why are we all acting like, oh, me? Never. Like, I, you know? Yeah, it's a classic dua for marriage, right? And why do you think that is? When the scholars tell you to make dua using this dua, why? Because if you, we're going to go through and going forward, Musa ends up what? Marrying. Getting married. And so taking, taking from that, the scholars say, well, this is a dua you can make, inshallah, and Allah will facilitate a spouse for you. People are going to come to me after, like, Shaykh, I need this written writing. Like, <laughs> you need to give me this in writing, Shaykh. Okay, inshallah. Now, let's go through the translation of this dua, because it's a very interesting translation. He says, Rabbi, O my Lord, inni, indeed I, lima anzalta ilayya. For that which you have sent down, past tense. This is the point I want to make here. Past tense. For that which you have sent down already. Min khayrin, good, the good that you have already sent down to me, I am faqir towards it. I am definitely, I'm definitely in need of it. Hold on, guys. He's saying that Allah has already sent goodness to him. And that he was desperately in need of it. What's he talking about? Let's just look at his lifestyle right now. What does he even have? Anyone? He's got a tree, yo. That's what he has. He has a tree. With some shade. And he's got some water. And he's, and he's living. He didn't get caught and, and get put to death. And in his eyes, that was an, um, an immense blessing from Allah. And so he says, Oh Allah, the good that you've given me already, that you've sent down to me already, past tense, anzalta. Verb form four, bab if'al, conjugation number seven, anzalta. That you have sent down already to me. The only thing it could be is what we're seeing around him. The shade, water, life, that's it. He says, Oh Allah, I'm grateful to you because I was desperately in need of that. Isn't that incredible? What would, what would we have said? Like really Allah? Like not even a mattress? Right? Not even a mattress, not even like some food over there or something. Isn't that kind of how we are? Subhanallah. His dua here was a gratitude. And interestingly, in the Qur'an, when you go forward, in the, in the next verse, there's no mention of him actually asking Allah for anything specific. This is all he says according to what the Qur'an quotes. 
He just says, Oh Allah, whatever you've given me, I was desperately in need of it. I was faqir. Y'all know the word faqir? To be like impoverished. To like possess nothing. Why would he say that? That's one of the things that were, that's expected of us. And that's from the etiquettes of dua. Is to show your need to Allah. This is why we raise our hands. Why do you raise your hands? Ever thought about that? Why do you raise your hands? It's like it's not something's going to just drop into your hand, right? So that's not the reason. You could just, Allah knows what's in your heart. You could just kind of sit back and make dua. You know? You could do that. And yet we're taught, no, no, no. Put your hands up in dua. What's the reason? Displaying before Allah your utter poverty and need. Why? Why is that beloved to Allah? Because that's actually our state. That's actually who we are. We are actually, in reality, utterly in need and dependent on Allah. We sometimes forget that. And so then we can start acting self-sufficient in life. Where, yeah, like, I got this man. I don't need nobody. You know, and we, we kind of carry ourselves with that kind of vibe. And Allah's like, okay, oh, you think you can just handle everything yourself? Okay, handle it yourself then. And the things fall apart, and then we kind of come back to Allah, like, oh Allah, you know, like, didn't really work out, oh Allah. Still got my back? You understand? Allah loves when we actually acknowledge our true state, which is that we are in need of Him. It's the day we act self-sufficient that we start to deprive ourselves of Allah's blessings. Okay. You know, some scholars have mentioned, you know the good that he's talking about here? Oh Allah, the good that you've given me, I was in need of it. Some have said, this could be in reference to the opportunity to do good and serve those women. Ya Allah, I had just made a mistake. I wanted to redeem myself. Ya Allah, I'm grateful to you that you offered me this opportunity to redeem myself by granting me the ability to serve these two women and do a good deed after having made a mistake. What's the lesson for us there? To be grateful when we get to do good. And to recognize that it's not a favor we're doing to people. We're taught in our religion that when you give charity, you're not doing them a favor. They're doing you a favor by accepting it from you. Because you get to purify your wealth in the process. You get to purify your heart in the process. You get good deeds in the process. There's so much that we get from giving. There's so much that we take from giving. We're not really doing anybody a favor. Do you see what I'm saying? When we help someone out, think about this guys. When you help someone, they're doing you a favor. Why? Have you ever tried to help someone and couldn't find anybody because no one accepted your help? Look, if, you, if you're going to get the reward of giving, someone has to take from you. If nobody takes from you, you can never give. You ever seen that? So like, you know the food at the back? Sometimes when I walk around and I'm like serving the food and no one's taking it, I'm like, guys, wallahi, I'm like, guys, take it. You know what I'm saying? Like, do me a favor and just take this. I need, I need the lab here, man. I need the reward of feeding you. If you're not going to eat it, I'm not getting no feeding reward here. Like, come on. It's a bit selfish on my part. You know what I'm saying? I'm not doing you no favor here. I'm just, I just need the reward. So please just eat this strawberry for me, man. Like, it's not that hard. You get what I'm saying? Like, we need that. Subhanallah. Another thing we learn from this dua, Musa alayhi salam is not being picky with Allah. You know? 
have you ever had to feed? Like, I don't know if, if you have children trying to feed your kids or if you have a younger sibling or a younger relative and you try to feed them and they're being picky about it. it it's frustrating, right? Imagine you just prepared a whole thing. You put it in front of them. They're like, no, but I want straw. I want ice cream. Like, we just prepared a whole meal for you. Like, no, that took 20 minutes, 20, half an hour. And now you just want ice cream? What do you think this is? And you try to bring them water. And they're like, no, I want juice. And they're just being picky about everything. And you're like, no, this is not... This is not good. And it frustrates you. Imagine with Allah, sometimes we're like that. Allah gives us something, and we're like, Allah, no, that's not what I want. I want something better. It's like that's not the path to getting more. The path to more is gratitude. And Musa knows this. And that's why immediately, what does he say? Ya Allah, I'm grateful for whatever you've given me. Our du'as should start with gratitude. Yes. That's what in the Qur'an, Allah tells us, if you express gratitude, then what? I'll give you more. So imagine that. By acknowledging what you have, Allah will give you more. What happens when we come from a place of what? In our du'as. From a place of what we don't have. Ya Allah, how could you do this to me? Ya Allah, what did I do to deserve this? Ya Allah, I'm so upset. And it's just, it's just everything against Allah. That's not how you, how you draw someone's favors out. Right? So, we learn here that to not be picky with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, why would that be? What if there's something you really want? There's something you really want. And Allah did not give you that. And He gave you something else. Musa alayhi salam, we learn from his dua that what? He's accepting that I don't even know what's good for me right now, Ya Allah. I don't even know. Ya Allah, you know. See, the great... Um, and this is, this is really the lesson of tawakkul here. Is Musa alayhi salam just accepts that he doesn't even know what's good for him. Ya Allah, whatever you've given me so far, I'm grateful for it. And uh, hopefully going forward, I'll, I'll continue to get good out of this. Hopefully. He acknowledges what he's been given and hopes for the best going forward. Trusting that Allah has not let him down up until now. And, and we might feel Allah has let him down because here he is in the middle of a desert with just shade and water. But from his perspective, no. I don't even deserve this. I made a big mistake. And if, if, if we look at that mistake, then I, I, I don't deserve anything. Yet, Ya Allah, you've given me this. The, the, there's, a, there's a story mentioned um, attributed to the, to the poet Maulana Rumi um, that there was an ant crawling across the masjid carpet. And the ant's crawling across the carpet and kind of, it's kind of confused. Because like, every few inches, the color changes. And there's like a little bump over here too. And then it turns white on a certain place. Then it turns red again. And it's just really confusing. And from the perspective of the ant, Maulana Rumi mentions that the ant cannot imagine how any of this could come together in any coherent manner. And yet the carpet maker looking down at it, he sees what? Sees beautiful designs, the exquisite um, aesthetics of that carpet. But the ant sees none of that. The ant just seems, he, the ant just sees unrelated events happening one after the other. It's all just looks haphazard. And how is all, how could this ever come together in any meaningful way? Yeah, well, let's say that's an ant's eye view right there. 
Nothing's going to seem coherent from that perspective. But the carpet maker sees us all. That's the idea of divine wisdom. To believe that as unseemingly good as things are, that there's wisdom in them. And we learned this really, I mean, if you haven't studied this surah in depth, I would highly recommend it. It's the story of the Prophet Yusuf salam. You know, I, I, I know people who've really found a lot of healing through the story of the Prophet Yusuf salam. Because consistently in his life, what? Nothing's working out for him. And it's hard to even imagine how he could ever come together in any positive way. And subhanAllah, the way Allah weaves the story together. And at the end Allah says, إِنَّ رَبِّي لَطِيفٌ لِمَا يَشَاءُ Allah is very subtle and gentle with those whom He wants. Meaning what? Sometimes the way He operates and, and does things with human beings, it's in a very subtle way that it's not obvious to the, to the immediate gaze and the immediate onlooker. And the same thing here with the Prophet Musa He escapes here, he's out in the desert, no idea what's, what the future holds, but subhanAllah, very shortly, inshallah, we will discuss how he what? He receives prophethood. He receives prophethood. And then he's, he end, ends up coming back to Egypt. So Allah brings him back. But Allah brings him back with a far greater mission. You ever heard that motivational quote? The comeback is, I don't even know the quote. You can see how motivated I am, right? <laughs> um, the comeback's far, what is it? Anyone know it? You know when someone falls, it's like, okay, the comeback's going to be greater than the fall or like something. What is it? Okay. We're all like, yeah. Anyways. So the idea is that he's going to come back with a great mission. And he doesn't have any idea about this. The way it looks right now, he's just trying to survive. But around the corner, he doesn't just, he's not just going to survive. He's going to thrive and lead people. You see how that's possible? You see how that's possible? Absolutely. And so no matter where you are in your life, hopefully what we take away from today is that it may seem like there's just no way that this could end up in any good way. But subhanAllah, around the corner we have no idea what Allah has in store for us and how that could take us to, you know, heights and places in our lives that we could never imagine. May Allah Ta'ala grant us tawfiq to be grateful for what He's given us, to acknowledge the favors that He's granted us. May Allah grant us tawfiq to be people who trust that the Allah who's brought us this far will continue to take us forward. Ameen Ya Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallama wa baraka ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa li kullin wujhatun huwa muwalliha fastabiqul khayrat. أينما تكونوا يأتي بكم الله جميعا إن الله على كل شيء قدير